Uh, so this year we've been looking at the Word Made Flesh. Our outreaches, every, we have one outreach every single week for the rest of the year. Um, a firm, you'd be surprised how many churches don't do anything. And it was brought to my attention from some other people that go to other churches, and I was surprised um, because that's primarily, you know, what we do. And, and I don't mean feed the homeless. I mean we find ways to reach people with the love of Christ. Yeah. That is our whole goal here. Um, and I get it, and I get it um, because sometimes you just want to focus in-house, and sometimes your members just need something for them. But at some point, at some point, if nobody is growing to actually fulfill the commission, we, all we have is, is a click. It's a glorified click, and that's, 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 that can't be right, right? That can't be right. Um, so I would have loved to talk about more science and to discuss more of quantum mechanics and quantum theory and um, how those two things are really bridging together this, the, the spiritual world and the natural world where they are no longer two separate entities. Um, and seeing how Christ being the word made flesh is, is really bringing a revelation to the secular realm about the spiritual realm. Uh, something that believers have access to through faith in Jesus Christ, very simply, that they have to come up with trillion dollar um, atom smashers in order to have some inkling of an understanding of what God has already given the saints free of charge. But we're not talking about that today. Today I wanted to look at something that I found um, I run into a lot. So it's more in-house than anything else. So it's for Renew Worship Center. I dare not speak for the entire body of Christ. But for this local, this local part, the toenail of the baby toe, uh, of the pinky toe in the body of Christ, I should say unto the church of the pinky toe, <laughs> that I've seen a ton of things. And predominantly what I, I find that is the hardest is when a believer, a Christian that loves God, is ensnared in sin. That is one of the most gut-wrenching feelings you could ever imagine. Um, not for the individual, but for the bystander. Because we know that God wants you to be free, and we know that you want to be free, but somehow these two things are not they're not connected. And you don't know if you're lost <laughs> or if God just said no or you're in the middle of waiting for him to deliver you. Um, somehow it's, it's you're stuck loving God and ensnared to sin. And I would say, you know, maybe you're not a Christian, but I see you and I know your spirit and you are a believer. But yet you are stuck in this thing that you cannot seem for the life of you to stop doing, stop thinking, stop going, stop whatever. Hello? Yeah, yeah. It is so frustrating because it's painful for you. You know, it's painful for us. I've been ensnared as a believer. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And the thing you say you're not going to do is the very doggone thing you do. Yeah. And you're stuck in conflict because you know God doesn't want you to do it, but then you keep doing it. And so you're either going to love the sin, which you're scared to do, right? Or you're going to love God, but loving him makes you feel horrible. 
And you wish you could just erase God out of your mind sometimes, you know. Anybody ever been there? I wish I just couldn't believe in him, didn't believe in him, just to stop this internal war, you know. And I, I understand that. And today, I want us to look at um, the word made flesh. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? All of us have lived in a season or are in a season where we know as Christians what we're supposed to do, feel, show, but that, that, does, not, that does not come out. Instead, the baser part of ourselves comes out. And we can't figure for the life of us why does that happen so instantaneously? It's like before I could even think about it. No, just me. No, I'm no, already no. thinking, feeling, or saying, or doing the thing that I know full well yeah. God is not pleased with. Yeah. And I've also come to the altar and said, Lord, you're going to have to help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And it just seems like you're stuck in that quagmire for, for a very long time. The only conclusion you could come up with is since God is perfect, he's not the problem. <laughs> it must be me. Maybe I don't understand something. Maybe I don't love God enough. Maybe I don't, you know, uh, maybe I'm not taught the right doctrine. Maybe I don't go to church enough. Maybe I don't pray enough, you know. And you start running down the list um, to figure out what is wrong with me. Uh, most of us in this day and age, because of Instagram and, and life coaching, have come to the conclusion that it must be something in our past. Something that we went without, some trauma, some conflict, some pain, some hurt, because we can't really believe that we ourselves would do something that we ourselves don't want to do. So there must be something driving us subconsciously, right? And so we, we point to the past, bear in mind that it was a Freudian hypothesis that your past will dictate some of the struggles that you are, that you're dealing with, right? That was just a hypothesis. It is not proven. It's not even a proven fact, but we'd be like, yep, because I, I ain't know my daddy, so now I'm, I'm crazy, right? I, I grew up in a household with a lot of yelling, so now I can't stand yelling, you know? And we always point back to our past, and while that may be some connections in your mind, all you're really doing is trying to measure and justify the idea that you cannot control yourself. I know you didn't want to hear this, right? You don't want to hear this because, you know, these are my triggers. Hello, somebody. You know, you don't want anybody to tell you that you're trying to justify wrongdoing because you know that's really bad, right? At some point, you're stuck because you've done it too long. You know, drugs is a drug because it's addictive. It causes some type of alternate response to your physiology that you did not come up with for yourself. And if you like that alternate response that you did not generate for yourself, then now you could become addicted to it. Now, bear in mind, I have smoked my share of marijuana. I'm just going to put a period there. And I remember when people said, marijuana is not addictive. Um, I beg to differ. 
What they mean is marijuana is not physically addictive. Like you don't go through physical withdrawals like some of the other drugs, right? Where you feel like you're dying physically if you're not um, taking that drug or that alcohol, right? Marijuana is not physically addictive, but I will tell you this, it is emotionally addictive because it generates an emotion that you cannot generate for yourself even though your body has an endocannabis system. But it's not producing enough. And so it's gonna continue to not produce enough and you're gonna be more and more dependent on the external cannabis that you're bringing in. Hello? Hello? Rather than training your body to produce the appropriate amount of endocannabis that you already have. You can train your body to produce more but you don't want to wait for that. So now you're going to add external, right? And your body produces less and less and less and less and less. So when you say, well, I just need this, you know, to calm my nerves, or I need this, this is absolutely true. You do because you have trained your body <laughs> to need it. And true to any addiction or habit, addiction or habit, you know, it's probably an addiction, but you don't want to confess to that, so it's a habit. Because you say to yourself, I can stop anytime I want, and that lasts like a week or so. I don't know how you consider addiction, but if it's within the same year, I don't think I'm free. That's just me. All right. But nonetheless, I don't even know why I'm on marijuana. That was not my point. But we can train ourselves um, to go against some of the blessings and graces that God has given us. And now it becomes increasingly harder to live the way Jesus lived. Now this year we're looking at the word made flesh, right? And in the word made flesh, it's Jesus Christ who was the word that was put on, put on flesh. He was born as a baby and then he died on the cross um, for our sins. Jesus Christ was singularly focused on one thing being obedient to God. That was his only focus, being obedient to God. When he died upon the cross, raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, he sent his spirit to dwell in believers, those that accept that he died for our sins, right? So now his spirit dwells in us, giving us the power to have one singular focus. Why don't that work? <laughs> why, why does it not work? John 1, 14, St. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, the same book of John, going forward to chapter 17, verse 22 says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world will know that you sent me. So th the plan is great. The plan is I'm going to cover sin so that I can be in them. And since I am in you, and you are in me, and then I am in them, then if de facto, we're all one. Right? Oneness. N not equal. Just of the same purpose. 
Church is one of the most divisive places on earth. I've been to a lot of places. Seen a lot of faith. Oh, no. But church, it's, it will divide over carpet color. It will divide over music choice. It will, div I mean, church is the most divisive, and I can't understand it when the whole concept of church is to be one fluid body moving with one singular purpose. And it's difficult in our day and age because we're taught to be so individualistic that there is no honor in working together. But the story is how you were down bad and how you brought yourself up. Now that's the, that's the champion American story. Rather than how you were up good, sold everything, hello somebody, that others might have something, or that you were down bad and everybody else joined together and lifted you up. And then you, see, now that story is not told, but that is the Christian story. So we've abandoned true morality for some type of mix of self-indulgence. Hello? Amen. So the glory that God gave Christ, Jesus on earth, was one of miracles. He did miracles. Anything that was necessary to be in complete obedience to God, that was the glory that was given him. And now we have the same spirit, apparently, to do the same thing, Amen. but it, it's something, something, something's off. <laughs> Let's go to Ephesians chapter four. Um, I'm going to skip through this entire chapter, a couple of highlighted verses here. When you're there, say amen. amen. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Uh, let's skip on over to... Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all, all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood. To measure to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, but by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Skip down to verse 19. No, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ. You were taught to put off 
your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We can stop right there. Paul is trying to talk to the church of Ephesus to say, um, you don't get saved and, st and then still live the way you've been living. That's, that's pretty much the whole shebang. That there is an old self you, 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 you take off and a new self you put on and become. What is, is, is so hindering to this is people still keep the old self and only put on the new self from time to time. Like when the bank account is low and you, you ain't got nowhere else to turn to, you understand. Now it's, oh, I know I'm a believer, I'm gonna declare it. Um, hmm, that's interesting. And the Lord still blesses because he's grace, you know, gracious and merciful. Uh, let's go to 2 Peter. Go back to um, Ephesians, please, I didn't finish. What I love about the Ephesians uh, verses that we just covered is it said that there is something that is deceitful about our desires. Did you guys see that? It says uh, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former way of living and is corrupt through deceitful desires. He's trying to tell you the way you used to live was corrupt, not because you're human, but because the things that you wanted were deceitful. When I speak to people that are dealing in, in, in addiction, there's always a reason why you're grasping for this particular vice. And the promise deceitfully is that you will feel better once you obtain this particular vice. But as a believer, that is utterly deceitful because you never feel better. You never feel better as a, as a believer. You have to push aside how bad you feel just to enjoy it a little bit longer. Because believers can't, because light and dark can't and have it in the same place. And you've got the conflict that we discussed already. So you know, like I know, that when uh, Satan tempts us and the urges to reach out for that vice comes upon our, our hearts and minds, that there is a deception that somehow my life will be better. Somehow this moment will be better. Somehow I can endure a little longer. Somehow I can make it if I just obtain this thing. And it is deceitful. In most cases, you won't last longer. You last shorter. <laughs> In other cases, you, you, you're so ridden with guilt and shame that the, the, the trade-off is not even equal, right? Because you, you are not just a natural body. The Bible says if there is a natural body, then there must also be a spiritual body. So while your natural body may feel quite well for a couple of moments, hello somebody, your spiritual body is grieved, is upset, and you can't, you can't turn that one off. You, it will stay there, you will come up from your high and be like, on it. And it keeps producing more of the same because you're trying to anesthetize a spiritual problem with a natural solution. 
you can't anesthetize something spiritual with a net. What is spiritual? You want love. What is spiritual? You need connection. What is spiritual? You need acceptance. What is spiritual? You need endurance and strength. What is spiritual? You need forgiveness. These are things that are not in your physical body, but you feel them nonetheless. And physical or natural means are not going to solve that. So for a believer, you're always stuck. And you're looking at other people who could just sit on. Carefree. Just a way of life for them. You're like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And you try that, don't you? Yeah, I'm going to live like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be free. You know, this is what I'm doing. And the whole time, something is nagging behind you. You see one movie, and now you're crying. <laughs> Why am I crying about this movie? Your spirit is yearning for something, and he won't shut up. Glory be to God, he won't shut up. You could try to be over there. I have to tell people, you gonna, you gonna, you, I, we're not turning you loose. We're going to wait till the world turn you loose. Because they give up quick, and we do not. So these deceitful desires have corrupted our old manner of life. You cannot live like that at all because the corruption present is because you were believing deceitfully that those things would solve your problem. Uh, what is that, lap band surgery? That's not going to solve your spiritual problem. It's not. It's not. Any modifications naturally is not going to solve your spiritual problem. Getting a wife is not going to solve your spiritual problem. Getting a husband is not going to solve your spiritual problem. And too many couples get together thinking that this union is going to solve a spiritual problem. Loneliness is a spiritual problem. It's intangible. Hello, somebody. Being married, which is a natural, is not going to solve a spiritual problem. Nor can any human being satisfy your loneliness. It's just not possible. Let me just pop your balloon right now. If only we got married. If only I had, didn't, didn't everything would be right? No. 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 That missing thing in your life can only be satisfied from the Lord because as soon as that person disappoints you, as soon as that person doesn't do what you want them to do, what you need them to do, the way you need them to do it, now, now you're, that loneliness starts creeping in. And, and, that, and now you're in a relationship by yourself. Y'all don't want to help me today. Because that person was never designed to satisfy that particular need. And now you put so much weight on them to satisfy something that only God could satisfy that they begin to feel suffocated. Y'all don't want to help me today. And now y'all got tension because you're pulling on. Yeah, hello? So now things got to get freakier and freakier and crazier and crazier. Somebody has to show more, prove more that I'm in it, that I love you, that, I'm, that you're the one just constantly proving, constantly trying to show, constantly trying to reassure an area that they're never going to be able to satisfy. Again, you're trying to apply a natural solution to a spiritual problem. He 
says you have to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. He's saying the way you think you have to be renewed there. It's not the thoughts. It's how you process thoughts. Does that make sense? It's how you string them together. You know, that's the part that has to be renewed, not the thought themselves. So he said, now your mind has to be completely restructured when you put on your new self. Your mind has to be completely restructured when you put on your new self. Your mind has to be completely restructured. Just telling yourself to stop thinking those terrible thoughts is not going to. Because those thoughts are an, an, an essence of who you are. They, they reveal who you are. Hello? Unless you can identify that it came from Satan, which most times you don't, because they're yours. And now they're your thoughts. And those thoughts, the way you come to these conclusions, is, is, needs to be renewed. Amen? Therefore, verse 25, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. What? For we are members one of another. Did y'all see this? This is so far from our natural instinct as Americans. You do not, you're, I am not a member of you and you are not a member of me. We are not members of each other. We, we make it very plain that what's that got to do with me? Right? And we think that when we do something, that when we grab our vice, that it only affects us and no one else. And truly, it affects a lot of people, but your deceptive desire won't allow you to see it. Because you are members, we are members one to another. What is a member? You, we belong. We belong one to another. This goes counterintuitive to everything American. When I'm in a family, I want to hurry up, grow up, get out of my family, get my own house, my own car, drive to my own job, sit in my own cubicle, work and get my own paycheck, get my own retirement, get my own retirement house, get my own casket, and go to heaven. But it is that mindset that creates the loneliness because you were already born into a family. Y'all don't want to help me today. So now we going to get a house together and we going to go to work and what we going to eat and where we going to live. See that? The Americans have convinced you that that means you are not successful because you have somehow valued more the idea of family and connection than you do individuality. But the entire thing about Jesus is one body. So you're always going to be in conflict with those that are trying to find unity because you're valuing individuality. How you could stand apart from everyone else. That makes sense in the world because you're grasping for things of your own strength. 
But in the body of Christ, God gives you those things. So you know you don't need to try to figure out how to get it for yourself, which means you don't have to stand out or be unique. You could just be whoever you are and be with other people that have a similar mindset. If y'all are like, make stuff easier, right? That's why we got tribes. I group everybody in the same personality together. If you take the lions and you put them with the golden retrievers, you're going to have a mess on your hands. If you take the lions and you put them with the beavers, you are going to have a calculated mess on your hands. You have seen over and over and over again that you work well with like-minded individuals, but then you despise the process of becoming like-minded. Hello, hello, is my mic on? The process of like-minded means that someone is going to have to change how they think. And you already said it ain't going to be me. Because I'm right. So now the value of being right supersedes the value of everything you need to make life enjoyable, which is connection and affirmation and, and love. And you, you need these things. And every vice you're reaching for is trying to satisfy those things. But you refuse to be the one to have to change the way you think. Uh, last week I explained to my church, and I think some of them still don't believe me, that offense is a choice. You can choose to be offended. And they're like, uh-uh. When, when somebody rubbed me the wrong way, they just rubbed me the wrong way. And they really get mad if the person keeps offending them. Like, they just keep doing it, Pastor. They just keep doing this. I told them I don't like it, and they just keep doing it. I mean, I, t I told them that I don't like that you, you don't like the fact that that person is being themselves. And you're saying to them, you need to not be yourself so that I might like you. Be, be what I need so that my day could function well while you limping along trying to be that. So what if your day is messed up? At least you're giving me what I need. Because that's what offense is. Someone has done something in of themselves, and they repeatedly do it, then it's more than likely that's a part of their character. And they keep doing the same thing that keeps getting under your skin, and with everything in you, they need to stop. Versus you need to change your mindset. Which one is easier? To get somebody else to change or to change yourself? Even if changing yourself is hard as a box of rocks, it's still easier than changing somebody else. Because every time you try and it gets difficult, you have to move into manipulation and control. Every time. You have to withhold something, give something, change something, say something. I'm going to show them I don't like this. I can show you better than I can tell you. I have to make you rule the day that you continue to do the thing that I don't like that is a part of your personality. So the next time you think you want to do that, you're going to recall that I'm going to put you through a life of Hades. So you won't do that no more. Okay, God. Okay, little God. You pick and decide what, what they should have in their personality and what they shouldn't. I'm a pastor and I can't even do that. Who is you? 
I've been given authority by God to declare what should be in you and what shouldn't be in you. And I still be like, mm -mm, I ain't touching that, Lord. <laughs> but y'all think because you had baked cakes together. <sighs> this entitles you to the idea that this person should change for you. If you can't love them for what they currently are right now, then you never love them at all. You got to love somebody right where they are. Like everything about you, I love it. I love it. Just how you made it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes, your feet stink, but I love your stinky feet. I do. I do. I do. What you guys end up loving is the possibility of what that person can become in your life. That's not the same as loving them. Hello? Do I? Let me hurry up because this is I'm off topic. Let me let me move back in, into my lane. Okay. So we're members of one another. Verse 26 says, be angry and and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I have let sun go down on anger. And sometimes I think, how? I'm like, how could I not? It's too late. I can't talk to the person. Right? It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to bed angry. The scripture is revealing that you don't need the other person to no longer be angry. It's the sun in your day that can't go down. <laughs> you don't need resolution. You don't need conclusion. You don't need a, a, a clean slate. You, you don't need to hear an apology in order for you to make sure that you are no longer angry. That's within your control. Similar to how I say offense is within your control. I am a crazy individual. I own it. It's okay. I have to be crazy. I'm the chiefest of crazy people in this house because y'all are crazy. And since y'all are crazy, I've got to be the craziest in order to actually lead a bunch of crazy people. But one of my crazy traits is I hate to hear people eat. I hate it when my dogs do it. I just hate it. I hate it so much that I have to eat while they eat so that I don't hear them eat. And as soon as I hear the first chomps, I'm turning on the TV just... Turn it up. I hate it. When Shamar moved in with me, I had to decide. Because I got a whole other person now in my house. Hello? The man going to have to eat when he want to eat. Okay? He don't have to eat when I eat. He need to eat whenever he want to eat. Because if I reject the idea of when he wants to eat because it is inconvenient to me that I'm rejecting him. So now he always has to be on guard at the idea that am I chewing too loud? Do I need to wait till she eat? You know, do I need to go in my room and eat? Right? Now he may be willing, but the idea here is that is a bit excessive. That's your problem. You don't recognize that some of the things you're demanding are is a bit excessive. It's a bit much. Hello, somebody. And the person might be willing with a sweet, nice, kind self, right? 
And then you still get mad when they slip up and don't do it that one time. I don't understand. I just don't. I don't understand. Is my mic on? I'm trying to help somebody here. Y'all not in the marriage line. Just keep it in your notes for later. And so I had to decide before he got there, there are some things I'm going to have to no longer be offended by to make sure he is comfortable in my home. Hello, somebody. And that's one of the ones I'll let go. Does it still bother me? Absolutely. But I never told him such. Amen. Somebody else told him. There's, oh, Pastor, let you eat around her? Oh, man, you the cousin for real, because I don't even know. She don't let us eat around her. Like, go away. Go over there with them chips. Good God. <laughs> he like, yeah, I didn't know there was a thing. <laughs> They're like, it's one of her biggest things. I didn't even know. <laughs> I had to decide that I can change my offense so that he might have liberty and freedom to be who he is automatically. That's love. That's love. Love is not them changing for you. Love is you changing for them. Oh, come on now. Ain't about how much they show they love you by how much they change for you. It's about how much you show that you love them and how you change for them. And if both parties are trying to change for the other out of love, then y'all going to have yourselves a really nice marriage. I don't even know why I'm over there. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> Okay, don't let the sun go down in your anger, verse 27, and give no opportunity to the devil. That is key. The devil is seeking an opportunity to make your situation worse than it really is. When there's a lack of unity, when there is anger, Satan is looking for an opportunity to make that situation worse than it really is. It's not them. It's the idea that this situation has not been resolved, not in you. So now there's opportunity for Satan to come in and make it worse. What does Satan come in and do? Today, they always do stuff like that. So they did that last week and last month. You know, you've caught them doing this and saying that about you. And so now, so now you got a running list that's come back to your memory about all the things that they did that showed you they real color, so you think, right? Showed you who they really are. And that's why you don't fool up with them. Now you in a body of Christ at a local church sitting beside somebody or in the same congregation with somebody you can't stand. How? What is wrong with you? And for your whole life you thought this was reasonable. For the secular, for the Gentile, it is not reasonable for a spirit-filled believer. Amen. And give no opportunity to the devil, verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he might have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. 
verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. How many people have heard the phrase, uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit? How many of us, those same people, knew that it was about forgiving and letting stuff go? Um, so a lot of them hands went down. Christians have a hard time, for some reason, in this house, of letting stuff go. It's like you feel that if I let this go, you're going to continue to do this. But that also means on the flip side, you think that if you don't let it go, they won't do it. You can hold on to it as long as you want. They're going to do whatever they want to do. Well, they're going to lose me. Here we go with that. More manipulation. Come, Y'all don't want to help me. More control. Come on, somebody. I ain't going to be their friend. I ain't going to fool up with them. Why is it manipulation and control? Because the idea is you really do want to that you wanted to prior to this moment. But this moment they did something that you don't like and they're not adjusting. So you say, I'm done. Even though you don't want to be done. And next thing we know, a couple weeks later, y'all back together. Hello, is my, is my mic on? But this is your only attempt to have some level of control when people do things that you don't like that offend you not recognizing you have all the control by not being offended. Come on, think of whatever the thing is that somebody did last that offended you. In what way can you just adjust? Just a teeny bit. And it's no longer that offensive. It just becomes human. It just becomes probable, it becomes a flaw, it becomes a quirky and uh, inconvenient personality trait. But for me to continue to be angry and offended at this is my choice. Hello? It's your choice. I can't move from this point because some of you are so hard-hearted that I want to stay on it just a little bit longer for the Holy Spirit to soften you. So you'll recognize that you can choose whether you're going to be offended or not, and you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, if that's the case, then I ain't going to ever care no more. You ain't going to care no more? That's not, you can't, you're not even capable of doing that. The one thing you are capable of doing is not being offended, and you won't put your energy to that. Because it's not about your offense as much as it is you want to control the other person. Because if the offense was the problem, then you go to the easiest way to get rid of the offense, which is to change yourself. Do you want me to say it again? If offense was really the problem, then you go to the easiest way to remove the offense, and that's to change your mindset about it. 
rather than trying to change theirs. So it was never about your offense. It was about your desire and need to control your life and everybody associated with you. But when you're in God, you already surrendered your life. I have no control over my life and I like it. As a believer, you do whatever you think is best, God. I'm going to do the stuff that I can do because I can't figure that out. I'm too biased. And when you're used to surrendering your life, you don't have the need to have to control something. Y'all don't want to help me today. When you're used to surrendering your life, you have no necessity of trying to control somebody else's life. The problem is not the relationship. The problem is you have not surrendered your life to God. The more you surrender to God, the easier it is to adjust yourself and to not adjust them. The more you surrender to God, the easier it is for you not to have anxiety that someone is going to cause you pain. You fall off your bike, you scratch your knee, do you need to go? You scrape your knee, do you need to go to the emergency room? Why not? Because it's a scrape. And your body is already made to heal scrapes. Unless there's a disease. But through Christ, we are healed by his stripes. Amen. But y'all want to go to the doggone emergency room for a scrape. Take me to the emergency right now. We done. What? He made your soul to be able to let stuff go. To dust it off. You know, put a Band-Aid on it. Keep moving. Oh, no, not you. Why? 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 Nancy Kerrigan on us. Why? Why do you do that? Because I am me. Because I'm me. I'm doing this because that's who I am. And it's my choice with the Spirit of the Lord to determine if I want to stay that person, not yours. Hello? getting tight in here. I don't even, I can't even see y'all faces, but it's like, it's like the air just got sucked out. It's like a vacuum. Remember, I don't know, your butt cheeks that stuck the air out. Somebody sucked all the air out of the room. <laughs> Who knew that grieving the Holy Spirit was more about bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and maliciousness? How do you know if you're bitter? Because y'all be like, I ain't bitter. Every time something like that happened or near it, the first thing you bring up in your heart is the last time they did it. That's bitter. That's bitter. That's bitter. If it even looks like the thing, the first thing you think about is the last time they did it. That is bitterness. It is possible, I'm telling you from firsthand experience, to forget. I live like that all the time. I forgive you, and I pray and ask the Lord to help me forget it, and by God, I do forget it. I don't remember it unless the Holy Spirit needs it. Because you got to come to me and say, Pastor, you remember that time I did that to you? I'm so, I felt so bad. I, was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I enjoy that. Why would I want to remember somebody else's mistakes so that we always have conflict? If I can forget your mistakes, hello somebody, then I can flow freely with you, which is exactly what I want in the first place. You have control over that. You making a list of how many times it happens is not going to stop it from happening. Only thing it's going to do is make you miserable until the next time it does. 
Now all of a sudden it's too much. You could adjust that offense. You could tell yourself, you know what, let me calm down. And then go tell the person, my bad, I needed to calm down. Don't calm down, don't say nothing, because they still on high alert. Last time you read them, they write when they offended you. I'm trying to show you how you're living beneath your privilege by carrying so much bitterness and offense. And it's now began coming in my church. I don't know about anybody else's church. I don't know about your personal lives. But in my church, I'm seeing it far too much. It seeps out in silly stuff that y'all do and say and slanderous words. Like you, 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 maliciousness means that you're doing something out of an intense uh, emotion that you have not thought all the way through. Because the end of that thing has something negative. And you didn't think all about that. You just thought about what you could gain from this. Grieving the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with forgiveness or lack thereof, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. Is it supposed to be put away with you from you? That's not supposed to be how you're living. It's not supposed to be something that constantly generates in your heart that you can't boop, pop and get rid of. But in your mind, everything that makes you mad has to stay there until you're no longer mad. Please tell me when that's going to be. What time? Show, I'll come back when, when, when that shows up. But that may get rid of the anger, but that doesn't get rid of the bitterness. And eventually it's not going to get rid of the slander. Because somebody else is going to have a problem with that person being human. And they're going to discuss it with you. And now y'all are both slandering their name. For one reason, that they were themselves. People say, Pastor, such and such did this, and I know she did that on purpose because she did it. And I'm like, and if she did, do it on purpose. Well, that's wrong. A uh, duh. And what? Well, I'm just saying that's wrong. I know, but it has to be another conclusion to this because people do wrong. Amen. You do wrong. So now we're upset and have to have an emergency room visit because you scraped your knee and somebody did something wrong. Well, aren't we righteous? Don't you have the perfect lineup of priorities for someone else's life? They need to fix that. Why? Because it inconveniences me. What if God got them working on something else? And you're able to let that go because you see that this, this is the thing I hate. In this church, you could see that that person is dealing with something that is not your offense. And you still can't stop being offended. You know for a fact that person, God is dealing with them about something major in their lives. And you cannot stop being offended by some silly stuff. Where is your compassion? Where is your empathy? Like, Why are you coming to me with that? Can't you see this person probably struggling with something else? What the flip is wrong with you? Well, I didn't know. You did? Could they be at the altar crying all the time? 
something. But no, they need to they need to fix what bothers you most. Who are you? And if you make mistakes and you do stuff that's not right and they do stuff that's not right, I'm pretty sure you can let it go. And let people develop in the Lord at their own pace with God, not with you with your little mini God syndrome. You don't get to pick what you think they need to work on. You need to get rid of your list. Holding on to a list of hurt from one person. If God himself, who is perfect, can erase all lists of wrong, who are you? Nah, because last year she had said, what? Last year? Bitterness is associated with self-righteousness. You can't let it go because you think that if it was you, you wouldn't do that to somebody else. It's not you. Well, if it was, I wouldn't do that to nobody. Okay. Is y'all different people? Yeah. And that makes sense why you wouldn't do that and why this person would. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Clamor is just a lot of noise. I, get cl I hear a lot of clamor. There's always one person in my congregation that somehow the devil decided that they was going to be enemy number one to a third of the congregation. It's always one. Because that person's name is always in my office by other people. And when I look at it, I can see that God is doing something and Satan is mad. But for some reason, you can't see that. They just had a major breakthrough. They're really holding on by faith for something in their lives that they're struggling with. And we all can see it, but now... You can't see it because you got to keep up the clamor. One person said, well, I saw them doing this. You know, I saw last week that they was doing that. <laughs> I wonder what that's about. <laughs> you don't even have no facts. Just a lot of noise. And so much deception is in your, in your windows and assumptions. And that's just noise. People bring stuff to me because all information in this house belongs to me. And I put it on a shelf. Oh, thank you. Put the top on it, put it on a shelf. I don't need any of that information until the Lord says I need it. And that's only to evaluate how the Holy Spirit might want to assist that person or minister to that person's heart. That's it. If he ain't pulling it off the shelf, I am not going to go get it. I don't care nothing about your story and your offense and how you cried in my office. You still think I'm about to tell that person that you was a nut? Nope. They're going to be walking around aimlessly. Hey, girl. You're like, Pastor, didn't even tell them. I don't even fool up with them. <laughs> Why would I tell them that? You the crazy one. You can't think, and I was going to say, yeah, they crazy, girl. You know what I'm saying? Man, he ain't even do you right, man. I'm like, no. You the crazy one. 
You're letting them control your life. You're letting them have make you take, take you to the hospital because of a scrape on your knee. You're letting them continue to make you angry. You're letting them have to, re, you have to restart your whole day because of them. No, you crazy. You have to now pull your affection away from somebody that you loved because they did something you don't like. If God himself is not pulling his affection away because we do something he doesn't like, then who are who was, who was we? And you go through the process of taking back your affection. As if your affection is some prize. If it run like that, it ain't. Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. In my life, there are people that I run into, and sometimes, you know, they got a different way of living, and they forget to say thank you. Or they forget to say I'm sorry. The I'm sorry is the best one. They, they're so busy trying to show why they did it that they never offer the apology. And when I get done listening to all the reasons as to why they did what they did, I have to go back and say, but you didn't say you were sorry. I didn't. No, you didn't. Well, I'm sorry. Thank you. I'll take a bad sorry. Well, I'm sorry then. Thank you. I don't care. I don't, your sorry could be loaded with a ton of anger. I'm sorry then. Thank you. Because <laughs> your anger is not with me wanting the apology. Your anger is the fact that you had to give an apology because you found out that you're not as righteous as you thought. So yes, you're angry with yourself, and I, I still take my, I'm sorry, thank you so much. Why? Because that's kind. It's kind to say, I'm sorry, even if you are not at fault. I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry I made you feel that way. I'm so, it is so easy to say, I'm sorry. It is so easy to say, thank you. I mean, this is just... Just because you say you're sorry, this is not a court of law. You're not found guilty. <laughs> you're just saying, no matter what happened, I didn't want this outcome. Amen. But telling people you're sorry is like pulling nails, pulling teeth. I'm not going to do it. Why not? Don't you, aren't you grieved that your fellow brother and sister is in pain? Does it not trouble you? No, because if, if you ain't in pain, then nobody else's pain matters. Why aren't you grieved that the other person is in pain? Because you're too busy worrying about your knee scrape. Hello? If I'm going to teach somebody how to ride a bike, I know how to ride a bike. I'm teaching this other person how to ride a bike. In the process of me teaching them how to ride a bike, I scrape my knee. Right? I got one or two choices. I could be like an idiot and say, why you make me scrape my knee? I told you to hold on to the bar, golly. And then be like, I'm not teaching you to ride a bike no more. Or upon me saying, I'm going to help teach you how to ride a bike, I already understand that comes with knee scrapes. 
and the possibility of being slightly injured. So now I am prepared to adjust for the hope that I might still help and assist the loved one. You didn't calculate scrapes. You didn't calculate offense. You, you didn't put these in your mindset when you said, I want to be there for you. I want to have your back. You didn't, oh, it was just your back against, against other people. No, you're back against me. <laughs> right? Whew. Grieving the Holy Spirit is about your feelings towards one another. That's it. It's about any and all negative feelings you have for one another. That is grieving the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit flows with unity. He flows from heart to heart when we are one accord. So when you're not members with the other member, right? Now of a sudden you put a kink in the chain. And now the Holy Spirit would like to flow on and continue to, I receive healing, then you receive healing, then they receive healing. And it just keeps pouring down from one to another to another to another. No, it stop at you. And you just hold it. I need more healing because they scrape my, I'm, I'm offended. Rather than you just letting that go and letting it continue to flow. It slows down the work of God. I'm not telling you to not be offended. I'm telling you to get over it and get over it quickly. To let it go. Write that in your notes. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Is you going to die? But did you die though? Let it go. You're going to waste your life in negative feelings when God wanted you to have a heart like the kingdom of God already came. Like you're already enjoying a bit of heaven. How you used to think when you were a Gentile, when you were unsaved, that it's up to you to protect you? The Bible says, now let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, let that guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. He said, you can't guard your own self. It's God's peace that does that. His peace protects it from injuries that are not unto death. Do you understand? Them doing that is not going to break you. It's not going to utterly destroy you. So you can let it go. Well, it might not if you have the spirit of the Lord, it ain't. This is a business where hurt people hurt people. If you want to lead in this business, you've got to know one thing about God. He's a healer of your heart, and he will do it instantly. If you don't understand that, you are going to be another hurt person trying to help other hurt people and injuring everybody in the process. You can't lead in the body of Christ if you don't know how to get rid of your offense. The leaders be in here mad. I'm like, what is you as a leader? What is you mad about? You have not yet learned how to get rid of that? How to actually be a leader. 
If you're going to lead your family, if you're going to lead the household of God, you actually have to be a leader. Not just telling people what to do. You have to be able to say there's a trait that I have that God gave me that allows me leading you to be a whole lot easier. Because as I lead you, you're human, right? And I'm called by God to stay focused on the idea that he can heal me. And it's not about me as a leader. It's about you. I got leaders in my house that don't even want to be leaders. They just want positions because they got good ideas. Nobody care about your good ideas. I got ideas. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not. But the Lord anoints them. We don't care about your ideas. We don't care about your gifts. I don't care about your talents. What I care about is how easy can you flow with the spirit of God? How long do you hold on to bitterness? Can I just have one conversation with you and your heart softens? Or do we have to keep coming back to this over and over and over again? As soon as I say, well, think, think about this. way, you go, you know what? I got to repent. I'm like, yes, now you can lead with me. Let's lead together. Let's change the world for Jesus. I know, Pastor, you told me I need to let it go, but I haven't been able to let it go. You are not a leader. Nope, 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 nope. It's hard to show the love of Christ when on the back end you have no self-restraint for hurting people in the body of Christ. We can go pass out Valentine's Day gifts and every other outreach, and we'll get people that join this church because of our community service and how we're showing love. But when they get here, we'll destroy it. Because under all this anointing and power of God, you can't let nothing go. You can't give anybody the benefit of the doubt. Why? Because you got a whole list that tells you that it's probably this way anyway. Well, if you throw away your list, you can now give them the benefit of the doubt. You can't live like you got to protect yourself. You're in the army of the Lord. Getting cut, is, it happens. When my dad was teaching me how to cook, you're going to cut yourself. Don't. <laughs> That's pretty much what he told me. Do your fingers like this. Don't cut yourself. But you will cut yourself. You're going to burn yourself. Don't. But you will burn yourself. It's popping on me, daddy. <laughs> you have neglected to recognize the types of injuries that come with sharing the love of God one to another. And that how we are completely able to sustain those. And keep moving with your scary self. So much punkishness. I'm so afraid they're going to hurt me. I'm so afraid. Shut up. Okay. You are so afraid of being emotionally hurt that you are stagnant in every area of your life. When you have a healer, 
You can't take risks to love nobody. You can't take risks to be open. You can't take risks to forgive them. You can't take risks to let it go because somehow you still have the mindset of when you were in the world and have not put on a new Christ, which tells you specifically that you can forgive them and let it go. It's like you was in prison, now you free living in the house like a prisoner. We passing out dinner, you like. <laughs> Gotta be ready with my shank. What with your shank? We at home. You never know. You never know. That's how y'all be living with me. I see it. That's, that's y'all for real. Pastor, you always gotta be ready with that shank. You never know when one of these Christians. What? I'm at home. I feel perfectly safe. You never know, they might steal your cornbread. You'll be sleeping in the middle of the night. They come like, shush, like, what? what does that mean? <laughs> be doing weird stuff, like in the middle of the night, you stuffing stuff under your bed. What are you doing? Hey, you never know, you gotta be ready. Be ready for what? <laughs> Scared people are always suspicious. Scared people are always suspicious. I've experienced things and I'm not suspicious. That's one of the things my father hates. I am clueless. <laughs> I be walking around with rose colored glasses on, like la 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 la. Lock your car, ah, it'll be fine. Lock your house, ah, it'll be fine. Don't go down there, why? Because you don't be looking around. You don't, you, you don't, you don't be watching. <laughs> We, I, we were raised in rough neighborhoods. I had no idea. I was like, da 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 da. And even to this day, I'd be like, mm, da 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 da. Not scary folk. Scary folk, like. I'm going to sleep. It's not because you've seen so much tragedy. It's because that tragedy has made you afraid. Because I could see tragedy. Kids shooting themselves behind the house. Now I can't go play at my little creek that I thought was beautiful. You could see tragedy. But because I always felt safe at home, it did not jade me to have to be nervous everywhere I went. When you come to this house, as a family of believers building the empire of Christ, you're supposed to be in a family where you feel safe. And you guys are making it unsafe for one another because of your lists and your assumptions and your bitterness and your slander that now you don't even feel safe because you think somebody's doing to you the same thing you did to them. It doesn't work that way. You're destroying a gift that God gave us of his spirit to make this house a family. Every person that joins us, I like as a family. It really feels like family. How many times have we heard that? Do you know how many churches wish that they could actually live up to their motto? That new people will actually feel that? If we lose that, we've lost us. It's too much bitterness.
Somebody bless the name of the Lord. When I'm dealing with people that are struggling with addictions, vices, I'm often confused by their short-sightedness. Like people go as far as I want to make it to heaven. But after that, I'm worried about right now. Perpetual anger is because you're more worried about the present than you are the future. You're not looking toward the goal. You're looking at your feet. You're not pressing. You're going to fall because you can feel the weight of the present without enough hope for the future. He never designed you to bear the weight of the present without hope for the future. It's a short-sighted problem where you can't see who you're supposed to become in the future. If I decide I'm going to be a professional golfer when I grow up, I'm three years old. I'm like, I'm going to do it. In my little mind, I don't know what that means, but I'm about to play golf. When I get of age to know, like eight, six, and I really feel like, oh, I see champions of golf. I say, I want to be that. When I go to golf practice, why am I there? To be that. Uh-uh. I'm not here to learn because everybody go to golf practice and learn. Everybody go to school and get instructions. I'm here because I want to be that. Y'all don't want to help me today. Everybody goes to learn, but only so few will actually become great. So when I'm in golf practice, I'm trying to be that. When everybody else is complaining, I ain't complaining because I'm trying to be that. When everybody else is tired, I'm not tired because I'm trying to be that. When everybody else wants to quit, I don't want to quit because I'm trying to be that. When everybody else says it's too cold, it ain't too cold for me because I'm trying to be that. When everybody says it's too hot, it ain't too hot for me because I'm trying to be that. The problem of your vices is the idea that you do not have an actual goal for who you are becoming. Well, who is that? You don't, you don't have no idea? None? Let me, let me give you a hint. It is me. Follow me as I follow. I want to be like that. Don't resent it and love it at the same time. Take ownership of it. I'm trying to have patience like pastor. I'm trying to be able to control my emotions like pastor. I'm trying to be able to hold my tongue like pastor. I'm trying to be able to forgive like pastor. I'm trying to be able to love like pastor. Jesus is too far for you because you, you're like, I can't go that far. That's too perfect. You ain't got to go perfect. Just go right here. None of us can reach him. We strive to reach him, but we can definitely reach me. You can definitely reach this status. 
to let stuff go like pastor. I want to be able to forget the wrongdoing like pastor. I want to be able to trust God with my situations like pastor. I want to be able to show forgiveness and tell somebody it's all right like pastor. That's the goal. Duh. When you have a goal that you're trying to be like that person, that professional golfer, you're trying to be like that professional Christian. I don't know how that's, that's not even true. You're trying to be like the, the amateur professional Christian. I want to be like that. Then you know when stuff comes up, oh, this is training. When somebody makes me mad, oh, this is me training because I said I wanted to be like pastor. When somebody offends me, oh, this is me training. When my kids get on my nerves, I want to be like pastor. Look how pastor be handling my babies. I need to be more like that. That's the goal. So you turn to vices because the vices deceive you in thinking that it will satisfy you and it won't. You need a goal of who you're becoming. And that way, when situations rise in your life, you'll know that they're there to perfect you. Why? Because I'm a believer. What are you trying to become? A believer. I want to be one of the greats. Paul. John. I don't know. Anybody else you like? I don't know them. I know pastor will be like me. Hopefully I'll keep growing, then you'll keep growing, and we'll both keep growing. Right? Don't be like me now. Be like me as I'm being. Because I got to get better. Then you're going to get better. And every time I get better, then your bar is raised a little higher. Janai came to me one day, and she got her own place now, you know. And she's like, I'm trying to level up a pastor. So she gets stuff that I... She always loves the furniture that I buy. She'll buy it from me. I love that about her. <laughs> and she, she said, I, I'm trying to level up like pastor. She said, pastor, every time I buy something that you had, then you level up, you take it up to another level. I can't buy that right now. <laughs> but there's a goal. There's something you say, I like how that looks. I really believe that pastor has true peace. You know how, you know how much you've got to, in order to have peace, working with all y'all? Y'all work with one another for one day, y'all be like, oh, oh, you'd be so drained. One day, oh, I had like five calls, Pastor, I don't know how you do it, Pastor, I don't know how you do it, Pastor, I don't know how you do it. This is a good goal to strive for, to be able to work with people that are not like you without having to train, change everybody to be like you. Hello? All right, last scripture, Second Peter. Did I tell you that already? Second Peter, go to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 9. When you're there, say amen. When you're there, say amen. Put a pencil right there. Take out your notes, and I want you to write down the following words. You ready? You ready? Write down the following word. Faith. Virtue. B-I-R-T-U-E, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection. 
And then lastly, love. I'll do the list again. Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. Second Peter chapter uh, one, verse nine. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you, if you, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. This is a list in every tough situation, in every trial, in every argument, in every disagreement, in every storm of your life. Since you say you want to be a believer, right? This is your list of different swings and shots you can take, right? Some of them you suck at, off the top. Driver, horrible, horrible driver. You could do better playing with your three, right? Terrible. Maybe that's your steadfastness. It don't mean you don't use it. It means you probably use that more than anything else till you get good at it. Because your game can't be crap. Because in order to be a professional, you have to be able to master every technique. If you want to be one of the greats, you got to master every technique and do something with every technique that no one has ever done before. In every situation, trial test in your life, you're supposed to run through this list and figure out which one is befitting for this particular situation. Since you're training, hello, to be a professional Christian. While everybody else may be Christians, you are training to be a professional Christian, to be a pro, to be the kind of person that not only serves their community, but when the community comes in, there is enough loving and healing that is flowing from you that that person is healed. Not you keep injuring one another. Not everybody got an attitude on Sunday morning. He says, if you lack these qualities, you're so short-sighted. You're so worried about the here and now so much that you're blind. Now, everything you do, you're just stumbling in darkness. You're so worried about the present that you can't, you can't even remember the goal of who you were supposed to be. I'm coming to church to learn about God and... Because at some point, I remember this sister Jewel in her tennis academy. <laughs> some people are recreational players. Some people are recreational Christians. Others are trying to be the pro. And as a coach, certain coaches coach recreational players. 
professional coaches don't coach recreational players. Y'all don't want to help me today because a professional coach is always going to try to push that recreational player further than that rec recreational player wants to go using up all the gifts. Y'all don't want to help me. But a coach of professionals coaches those who desire to be professional. Y'all don't want to help me. That means there's a standard here that when you see anger, you say, where's my forgiveness? When you see agitation, you say, where's my patience? When you see, long, when you see pain, you say, where's my long suffering? And the whole time I'm saying, you better use it. You better use it. You better use it. We started this church on the idea that the world don't need another church. So if we're going to do it, we're going to be real Christians when we do it. I'm asking you to do something that is impossible for the world. But very much so possible for those in Christ Jesus. If you don't want to live that life, don't join this church. This is for professionals. You need an encouraging word. You declare that money's come in your life. Go over there. Those happen, but that's not our focus. I can get an award, but that ain't the award. No, 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 no. I could win a prize, but no, that's not the prize. And even without the prize, I know when I have reached my potential and I have not yet reached my potential. I know that there's more in me. There's more, there's more tenderness. There's more loving kindness. There's more patience. There's more. I know there's more. So you keep pushing yourself. I push myself as a believer. Pastoring while my mom passed was a push of my trust in God. Lord, if you will strengthen me, I will do it. If you don't strengthen me, I'm not going to do it. So it's about faith. Every day, every day, every week coming in, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You're going to do it through me. You, hey, you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. And he had us. But you have to push. I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Peter, whoever. I want to be like my grandma. I want to be like my dad. You understand? You got to push yourself to that point. Because you said you were going to be a pro. If you're not going to be a pro, go to another church. This is not the one for you because we're actually trying to be a family of believers building the empire of Christ. He says, if you do these things, he says, if you practice the list that I just gave you, you will not fall. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Because the word doesn't lie. So when you go back to your vice, it has nothing to do with the strength of the vice. It has everything to do with your short-sightedness. Y'all don't want to help me today. When you go back to your old way of thinking, it has nothing to do with your old self. It has everything to do with the idea that you're so short-sighted that you forgot that you were supposed to be a pro. In this day and age, in these end times, you are called to be a pro. Because pros are what's needed for the end times. You're called to be a pro. When you see something coming your way, 
pick from the list. Let's practice. You ready? My coworker tells me that when I go to lunch, if I'm a little bit late, just write the right time on it. What should I practice there? Huh? I can't hear you. No, what? Huh? Virtue. There we go. If I get upset because somebody continues to make me feel stupid. What? Are y'all looking at your list? You continue to make me feel stupid because of stuff I don't know. Knowledge. Don't deal with the emotion. You is stupid. Go get the knowledge. That's dumb. You know, I'm going to stop being angry that I feel stupid. No, go get the knowledge that you won't feel dumb. Y'all so, so American. So American. Just give me the pill so I won't have to feel stupid. Give you the pill. Go read the book. Get the information. See how you're not even using the right skills? That's my job. I'm supposed to tell you which ones to put where. Right? That's my job. And through practice, you perfect those. Yes? Somebody made me so mad. You already know. That easy, huh? Self-control. I can't stand this stuff no more. Bump it. Just forget everything. Steadfastness. Good. I mean, it ain't technically a sin. I'm going down the list. Come on. Godliness. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't feel no kind of way about them no more, but, you know, it's cool. It's whatever. Huh? Uh-huh. I got to use words that y'all actually use. Sometimes I just hate this person. Through every trial that you're faced with as a pro, a training pro, you're supposed to use these. And it is a guaranteed you won't fall. It's guaranteed. Standing all over the house. 